This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 70 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Joe Watson, and we'll be talking all about how to write authentic sales copy. But first, to last week's question, which was, what series would you gift to somebody else? Lots of comments this week. Um, I'm not sure I will read all of them, but uh, thank you to everybody who commented. So thank you to Carrie, Amy, Ian, Victoria, Edwin, Stacey. Jasmine, Scott and Bernard. Uh, A couple of the ones that were included, Harry Potter was mentioned a couple of times. I completely agree. Uh, I don't really like what JK Rowling is saying these days. Um, Very, very transphobic, which um, I obviously really disagree with. Um, But, you know, those books had a significant role and influence in my childhood and I can't ever change that so they do still have a place in my heart um deborah harkness uh v.e schwab's a darker shade of magic uh what else was mentioned um alien kitty cat uh lee bardugo's shadow and bone trilogy which i loved i binge read that in corfu so they kind of remind me of corfu do you ever get that where you go away somewhere and you read like the whole series of something and therefore it is always attached to that location another one i read most of the true blood series when i was on a two-week holiday in turkey so that series always reminds me of Turkey for some random reason I would just like to point out it is not set in Turkey it is set in America but anyway it's these associations we make uh what else lady astronaut series by mary robinette uh, cowell and she is an award winner i think it's like the hugo or the locus or or you know what um nebula as well possibly anyway one of those fantasy ones and um i think i've mentioned on here before that long term i'd love to win an award i'd probably have to go trad for that but um yeah so i am trying to read some fantasy specific uh, award winners um but yeah and then scott's uh, message definitely made me laugh he mentions reading loch lamora uh, the lies of loch lamora sorry and uh, i think some other people in the facebook group the rebel authors facebook group have also mentioned the lies of loch lamora i do own the first book now i would like to point out uh, i just haven't read it because you know girl has a few hundred books on her TBR. So thank you to everybody who uh, commented. I always read them. I don't always have a chance to reply, but I do always read them. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much. This week's question is, describe your author voice in three words. Now listen, I know we have a group of rebels, okay? But uh, this is a strict three words, okay? You're not allowed (laughs) to use five words or two words. You must use three words. So what is your author voice in three words? The book recommendation of the week this week is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Now, wow. When I um, was going to like recommend this book I was going to say that if you have a vagina then you need to read this book because it is the most wonderful empowering girl power solidarity um, book that I have read in a really long time but then the further I got into the book the more um, 
you know, Glennon also talks about the fact that it's not just women that are put in cages, but men are also put in cages. And so it's less about whether or not you have tits and a vagina and more about whether or not, you know, you are a human. And I think anybody would find value from reading this book because it is so empowering. And she has this beautiful you know, philosophical type prose. She reminds me very much of Liz Gilbert. And in fact, I did describe her um, as thus. So I said that Glennon is to women what Elizabeth Gilbert is to creatives. And um, then somebody told me that um, they're actually friends, (laughs) which doesn't surprise me at all. And oh my God, I would definitely want to read a co-written book by them. Um, what else can I say about this book? Yeah, basically, like, oh, I should say thank you to uh, Katie, Ali, and uh, Meg, who all recommended uh, this book to me. They were raving about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, eventually I got to to it, and then literally, like, a couple of chapters in, I was like, oh, my God, why didn't you make me read this sooner? And also to Sam, who recommended it more recently. Um, Yeah, so I... I love this book. I love this book as a girl, as a woman, as a creative. I love this book as just a human being. And I feel like it's... Do you ever read a book and then at the end of it, you just sigh? Like, you know, I I don't know. Anyway, go read the book. It's amazing. I will drop um, some affiliate links in the show notes. So in personal update news this week, it's been a weird old week. I was expecting to finish my first draft of side characters. And um, last Saturday, I did one of these like all day sprinty jobs and wrote my personal best um, over 5,000 words in the day, which is like, I know that's nothing to some people, but to me, it was a huge number of words. Um, And then I haven't actually written since. (laughs) I think that's for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because I've never written that many words before and therefore I sort of burnt out of it. Um, And the second reason is that I have a process and I have not followed that process for this book. So my process, just the four points with, and actually it's funny because I thought this was just for nonfiction. I actually think it's for any fiction, but my process is input, analyze, intellect, output. And I'm just going to talk about this because it's been a bit of a realization for me. So I've talked in my January, um, my first January one, which was about 2021. Wait, yeah, whichever one. It was either the last one of 2020 or the the first one of 2021. And I talked about the fact that I needed more input this year. But specifically, I think I spoke about visual input. Um, And that's still true. And I, you know, if you want more information on that, go go back and listen to that um, episode. So I need I need to input, and uh, for side characters, that typically means reading very intentionally. Reading uh, for side characters for fi- non-fiction books that I write. Sorry, it means picking fictional books and fictional TV shows and movies that intentionally with the specific purpose of watching or reading to analyze. So then. Once I have inputted, I analyse by taking notes, by making notes in the margins. Yes, I know it's sacrilege. Uh, And what else do I do? Yeah, so I just, at the time, I will write notes and stuff. I remember going to um, watch the, the newest 
the newest, the latest, the most recent Joker film uh, twice. The first time I just watched it and the second time I went and I just had a notepad and people thought I was fucking bonkers in the cinema writing 10 pages of notes in the dark. Anywho, that's what I did. And um, then I have to think about it. And this like thinking, I just percolate, reread the notes. And then part of that is outputting. Unless I do this output, I don't really consolidate the lesson. And that means I have to write up the lessons that I'm learning, which is a bitch because it takes a lot of time to do that. And, you know, then once I've done it, I then have to convert it uh, into, uh, what's it called? (laughs) A book, a nonfiction book. Um, So yeah, it's, this process has been a realization for me that this is what I have to do and I have not I whilst I've been doing the input and the analysis I haven't been doing that intellecting like the thinking about it and I haven't been doing the output so I am forgetting a lot of stuff and I definitely feel like in the last year I have a void and a gap in in like learning I feel a bit bereft of having learned anything and it's not that I haven't learned anything the problem is I haven't actually consolidated it and written it down so that's definitely something that I need to do why am I telling you this well this week Um, I got, after I had did that massive vomit on the, in the sprint day, I realised I didn't have anything else to say. And it's not that I didn't, it's not that the book was finished. It's that I'd drained myself and I hadn't thought about, I don't know, like, how am I going to explain this? I hadn't thought enough about, I guess, um, the output. I don't know. Basically, (laughs) I've realised that that, bit was missing and so I took two days out this week and I just read and I watched tv with a notebook uh, and did analysis which I'm sure you'll end up seeing in the book and yeah I intentionally took in and analyzed and this weekend I suppose or early next week I will need to write all of that up um I may bypass the writing it up as a lesson and just do it straight into the book um but normally I would uh, write it up. Anyway, that's probably enough of me wobbling, waffling on about um, that. So, that, But that is like my biggest t- uh, takeaway from this week. Um, and the fact that because I took two days out, I'm now really fucking behind. <laughs> but anyway, that's my problem to deal with. Uh, so what else? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that is literally like my biggest takeaway from this week. So... Moving on, Rebel of the Week. The Rebel of the Week this week is Lauren Mullis. And I hope I've uh, said your surname correctly. Okay, so Lauren says, while this isn't the most rebellious thing I've ever done, as someone who loves reading and writing, I thought you would get a kick out of it. I was in the fourth grade and I read obsessively, but had very little interest in making friends. I was an odd child and very solitary. I wouldn't say I was shy. I just liked books more than uh, people. I completely, completely understand that. And I'm sure many people listening will as well. And uh, would sometimes come to school with six or seven books in my backpack, besides what was required for class. This didn't concern me much, but did start to worry my teacher. One day at the start of lunch slash free time, she took my books away and told me I needed to go socialise. I absolutely refused. I spent uh, the rest of the recess time pacing the back of the gym, writing a story in my head and narrating it to myself aloud. I reasoned that she couldn't possibly take away a story in my head, so I still won the battle. Looking back, though, I do laugh at how crazy it must have looked for a little girl to be walking back and forth, whispering to herself while the normal kids were playing tag. I never stopped writing stories and I'm working on a novel now which is sort of a rebellion in itself. 
I fight against my self-doubt constantly, against the numbers that remind me how low the success rate is, against the worries that it won't be worth the time I put into writing books, against the people who lovingly imply that it's impractical and I could spend my time in better ways. But I always go back to that little girl who was so certain that her future, aka current me, would write fiction one day. I keep doing it for her and because I refuse to let the doubts tell me what to do with my life. I love this story so much because it is just like Glennon, I suppose it is super empowering and I am sure and I know that there are lots of people listening who will feel exactly what you're saying and will totally, totally uh, get it. I know I do. Like when I read it, I was like, oh, I just that was me as well for a really long time and I feel you keep going don't give up and you will write full-time fuck the stats you know it's there are lots and lots of indies making it uh, full-time so don't let that um, dissuade you no new patrons this week um, but a huge thank you to all existing patrons I love you guys um, yeah you guys help to support the show you help to support me and I just I massively appreciate it especially um, at the moment if you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as um, the bonus poison and pro sessions then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black i'm going to play a word from the sponsor today and um which is kobo kobo writing life and then we'll get on with the interview hello rebels we're from kobo writing life kobo's free fast and easy self-publishing platform KWL was built by authors for authors, and we want to help you take control of your independent publishing business. With this in mind, KWL created a way for you to publish an audiobook right in your account just as easily as you can publish an ebook. You can create a customizable table of content, set the price in 16 different currencies, and even set up a pre-order for your audiobook with no date limitations. We don't ask for exclusivity, and you'll always control your pricing. Not only is it easy to publish your audiobook to Kobo store, it also go to Kobo's partners like Booktopia in Australia. On top of that, we have promo opportunities exclusive for authors that publish directly with KWL. If you'd like to learn more about publishing and promoting your audiobooks, email the team at writinglife at kobo.com. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life in general, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. You can create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. Now back to Sasha and happy writing. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because I got to see our guest speak and let me tell you, they're fucking hilarious. Today, I am joined by Joe Watson. Joe is a freelance copywriter, editor and trainer hired by people who want personality in their projects. People even hire her to speak at events, though usually just the once. Despite having fancy letters after her name as a chartered manager, she remains a lover of swearing, sarcasm and puns. She's going to fit in well. She also (laughs) makes lots of inappropriate jokes, which is one of the many reasons she left a stable career in teaching, her mother's words. Jo has an infant daughter, Lily, and is starting to feel the immense downside of raising a confident, independent female. I love that bio. That is literally my favourite bio ever. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sasha. Although I'm very upset at the the intro you've just given because when people say someone's funny, they usually go on to be like the blandest person (laughs) ever. So 
I'm hugely worried about that you may have oversold me on this. No, no. I saw you speak. You were absolutely hilarious. I was like proper cackling from my belly whilst I watched your uh, session. So yeah, no, I am genuinely honoured to have you. Tell everyone a little bit about your journey and how you came to like where you are today. Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll say the the tacky and contrived thing that, that everyone says when they, they end up writing for a living. And that is to say, I've always loved writing. Um, but but I, it's true. I, I did. I did always love writing, but not so much in the, the storytelling way uh, that I'm involved in now. I just liked writing things to be technically accurate I like I liked uh, that idea of correcting people's work from a very early age um, and structuring a well-worded letter I think I was probably like seven when I started writing them I believe I wrote to my local MP about something um, but yeah I did, I did always like that the process of writing and um, even when I was a teacher as you mentioned anything that came down to writing always came to me because it was just what I wanted to do I I always want to communicate things in the best way that I can and represent people on paper as as best as I can so I've always just got stuck in with any project that's involved with that but the reason I took it upon myself to to do this for a job and to just set up on my own is because I realized I was using words to get results And that was mainly through letters of complaint and stuff like that. So the strongly worded letters became strongly worded emails and they became strongly worded tweets over the years. And I was finding that I was getting really, really effective results from customer service when I'd previously been palmed off. So uh, I thought, oh my God, I can actually put together a, a really, really good argument. So because I wasn't intelligent enough to go on and become a lawyer or something like that I just thought right well I'll I'll write and I will use my powers for good and hopefully make some money out of it and here I am now and like you said every now and then I might be able to make people laugh and that's always nice. (laughs) Were you uh, an English teacher out of curiosity or? I was a primary school teacher okay, um, okay which no one can ever believe it was never my dream to do it I have no idea how I ended up doing it it was really hard I've got so much respect for anyone in that career. Um, If you just left to teach the kids, it's absolutely brilliant, but you're not. You are just bombarded by Ofsted and bureaucracy. And um, God, I said that word wrong then. I'm not going to attempt it again. Uh, Bureaucracy, is that it? That's the word, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it was like my my pet hate. I used to work in uh, local government and it was bureaucracy central. And, you know, you couldn't, I, I once remember having to fill out a 10 page questionnaire on uh because I wanted to survey uh do a five question survey to some people in the office place five questions on a survey and I had to fill out a 10 page questionnaire for the five wow. question survey it was spectacular I said <laughs> that that's probably the, the best word that can be used for that yeah it's, yeah. it's a tad excessive isn't yeah. it it's I, mean, I just, don't know what gave that away but oh paperwork and paperwork and it's just no fun um, and I never really fit in. I wanted the kids to have fun and be creative and explore learning in a million different ways. But unfortunately, you know, unless they had eight pages filled in every textbook and it was marked within an inch of its life so that you can no longer see what the child has written underneath it, um, then, you know, your, your place doesn't 
fits, uh, your face doesn't fit and your place isn't in a school, unfortunately. So yeah, I had to, to come away from that, but I did work for um, a professional football club for a number of years. And uh, I started doing education out in the community. And because my, my specialism was English, I was going out and doing like English booster classes for, for different groups within the community at school and with older people and with looked after children. That was a really nice one. I started up a reading project with them. And I even got to uh, take some of the academy players through their qualifications as well, or well, <laughs> try and get them through their qualifications. I turned up. That was about as best as I could hope for <laughs> some days. Um, but but yeah, so that English was, yeah, I guess the thing I was best at. But I, had, I just had this vision that I would probably end up getting into a really big argument if I was in a secondary school. I'd probably end up arguing with a teenager and not hearing the end of it. So I felt that primary was probably a little bit better for me. I'd, I'd have more of a sense of control. I need that in my life, Sasha, you see. I need the control. <laughs> Okay, let's start with the obvious. So you are a, uh, well, one one of many things, but also a copywriter. Now, lots of people hear the word copywriting, and copywriting is important for any business, including indie authors. But what the fuck is copywriting? And why should any of us care about being good at it? Oh, great question. Uh, So I always make the distinction that um you know the way everyone says they can write and people will say oh I won't I won't hire a copywriter because I can just write it myself or my sister's boyfriend's neighbor's dog walker can do it for me they've said they'll do it for a tenner so they're going to write my website copy for me there's a lot of truth in that anyone can write but copywriting is writing that sells it converts it gets people to sign up to your product or offer. It gets people to keep following you. It gets people to buy your shit, basically. Um, so, yeah, copywriting is all about having writing that not just fills space the way content would. And that does certainly still have it, its purpose. But copy actually gets a conversion. It gets people to take notice, to start following, and ultimately to pay you money to give them a product or give them a service. So, if you want your writing to actually be doing something, copywriting is what you absolutely need. So, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I always I always say that copy is um, is killer and content is just filler. At which uh-huh. point, a load of content marketers will probably have a go at me for that. But it's just the way I personally view it. Copy is killer. Yeah, I love it. I um, so I think a lot of writers think the only time they need to worry about copy is like when they're writing their book blurb that's on the sales page on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever and of course that is really important but actually there are a stack of places that we need to think about copy and those include like our website if we're selling direct on our um on our own website uh advertising if you're creating like facebook ads or you're cre- creating amazon ads like there are a stack of other places and if you sell services as well you know many authors now have like side businesses as well and you know you're going to need copy for all of those things as well so like what are your i don't know like your top three or top two tips for creating better copy i think you've always got to give people something of yourself in your copy so for example if you are hoping to promote your book 
then yes, you've got that blurb there, as you mentioned, that that is going to sell your book for you. You put some great copy into that. It's going to give people a window into what the book is about, what they can expect, a hint at the characterization and the narrative. And that's amazing. But for everything else, you need to put yourself into it because people aren't necessarily going to find out about the book. They're going to find out about you first. And then we want to give them enough to think, I like this person. I like what they've got to say. I like what they're putting out on social. I like what's on the, um, you know, an interview that they did in a recent magazine or something like that, or a, a piece they've, they've written for a, a publication. And that you want to give people enough of yourself so they think, I like you. I want to find out more. So with a lot of the books that I tend to buy, I will usually find the book after I've found the author and I'll listen to someone at an event or I'll see that they've written something somewhere and I'll think I really like them. I'll see that they're an author. I'll go and have a look at what books they've got for sale, books that they've published, and I'll likely buy one because I've invested in that person. But I can only do that if I'm seeing some good copywriting. So I think unless it is your blurb or someone has asked you to do a particular sales pitch, think about selling yourself through your copy rather than your book if that if that makes sense Sasha kind of you know tell people who you are what it is about about you so I, I do writing for other people so I, I get involved in um, in other people's books I edit them and sometimes I've, I've ghostwritten for them and that's great but when people come to me for copywriting they don't find me because they want a copywriter. They found me because I've been talking about random bollocks on LinkedIn. And they'll think, oh, I like her. I could have fun with her. I could work with her. I like her work ethic. I like her values. I like the way her mind works. I like how she goes off on tangents. I like how she just doesn't really care about, you know, if, if people like her posts or, or engage massively with them. And that's how people come to me and they'll say, I need a copywriter. I want it to be you. What was the, that, the what, decision. what was the one that Janet mentioned in the because she mentioned that you'd written something hilarious that had because she she described you as the the sweary something one the like, sweary northern one yeah that yeah, was it what I, was the I don't even know what it was that I'd written but I, I sure as shit had not written a post that said oh I hope someone who's got a fantastic podcast and who has a big event on who needs speakers wants to hire me as a speaker because I'm articulate and funny I can you know give some great anecdotes she'd not looked at something like that and gone oh I do have an event coming up and I do need someone who's articulate with great anecdotes she'd not picked me to speak at her event or speak on her podcast for that she'd picked me because I've been talking random shite about I, I I don't know what did her I, you know, this it's actually a very strange question Sasha because you asked me what I've written on posts and I honestly don't know and that is the level of importance <laughs> that uh, that it, it represents in my life I just write whatever's in my head I give people whatever is in my head I don't overthink it and that's really what I think people should be doing when they're looking to promote themselves just be yeah. yourself yeah and I think but I think I actually and that leads on to another question which I'm going to ask before I ask the other one I was going to ask but um, <laughs> I think this is a really key point because lots of authors get very afraid of sharing any elements of themselves you know as if um, you know we get very worried about um, like giving too much of ourselves being too open you know authors are quite a lot of the time are quite introverted they're quite private people 
yeah. they don't necessarily want to share you know they definitely don't want their kids online or whatever yeah. and and all of those things are fine but you know there are many different ways that you can share like one of the ones that always sticks in my head that Janet mentioned was she was in a hairdresser's and um there was a dog in there and so she put up a question or you know pets or dogs in hairdressers like yay or nay and she had like hundreds and hundreds of comments because people had such significant opinions about it and I wish I could remember the one that she said because I remember laughing about whatever it was that you had posted but (laughs) this is the thing you can you can post pieces of your life that was a piece of her life but it wasn't necessarily about her business and it wasn't necessarily you know about her personal or private life so you can still share valuable pieces of yourself without it without you exposing too much of your family or or privacy oh of course yeah because you don't yeah you don't have to be going on there telling people your inside leg measurement and what you had for tea and although people do that yeah. Um, and I, I wonder how it gets as much engagement as it does. But but then I think that's fine if other posts are getting engagement. It doesn't necessarily mean people are buying from them. And I always want people to know that when they're, they're writing copy, they'll say, oh, you know, I don't get any engagement or I only got 10 likes or something. Well, you know, you can get a thousand likes, but if none of those people have put their hand in their pocket and bought something from you, it doesn't really matter, does it? Mm. It's not the, the bigger picture. Um, but the key word you said there was like valuable. And it, it is about, you know, giving something that, that is valuable in some way. So as Janet's done with, you know, dogs in her dresses, yeah, or nay. Yeah, ask people questions, you know, put your thoughts out there. You know, I, I, it got me wondering about this. What do, what do we think? You know, what are people's thoughts about? So when we're copywriting, it's not just me, 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 me. It is about getting your audience involved, getting them to take an interest, getting them to look your way, because that's exactly what marketing is. Copywriting is a big part of marketing. Mm. All book authors need to be marketing themselves. And it's all about getting people to look your way. Absolutely. So writers are trained to create voice for their characters. And voice is like, I always refer to it as like the holy grail. It's some mythical thing. Writers really struggle with grasping the concept of like author voice versus character voice. And so many of them find it very difficult. Like, you know, once you've created your character voice, many authors find it then difficult to have voice in their marketing and their copy now I um I often get told that I write exactly how I speak because it's sweary and sarcastic like this is my non-fiction anyway you know everybody says they can hear my voice as they're reading my work um and so because because I write so closely to how I speak it's easy for me to put that into the marketing as well but that's not necessarily the case um for everybody and I know I certainly struggle with it when it comes to my fiction because it's a different kind of voice it's definitely less sweary because I write for kids um <laughs> anyway so I have read uh, some of your blogs and your voice is super sassy sarcastic sweary and hilarious like it's you know, so witty so do you have any advice for listeners on how they can find create or utilize their existing uh, voice in their marketing copy I think it always comes down to confidence um, and that will only ever grow the more you do something. So I think this is a case of getting yourself a starting point and start putting stuff out there and and see what happens, really. Um, The big thing I would say is not to try and emulate someone else. So I'd done a one-to-one with someone 
And they said, oh, I really admire your voice in what you do and how you come across. And then she said, I just want to start um, swearing in my posts and saying what I think. And I said to her, well, do, do you swear in real life? You know, in real life. Um, you know, because it's online, it's not real, it's not real. Um, and she said, she said, no, no, but I know it, it does work really well for you. And I was like, yeah, it works really well for me because if someone was to meet me in, in real life, they would hear me swear. Mm. And so that's exactly what I do online. I don't filter myself. Um, well, first, actually, that's a complete lie. I do. When people say, oh, you say what you think, I think like, you really yeah. don't know the alphabet. There's a lot of it I cut out yeah. for the, the sake of not being banned from LinkedIn. But, but yeah, to an extent, I do say what I think, to an extent. Um, but yeah, if you're trying to emulate someone else, it's never going to work because it is just not sustainable. And as well as not being sustainable and you having to think, oh, how can I write this? People will see through it. I can see when people have tried to be provocative in the marketing and it's not them. And I cringe and I think, oh God, no, that's not you. Why are you doing this? It sounds wrong. So I always advise people to, you'd said it yourself, to write how you speak. If you were down the pub with your mates back in the days when pubs were a thing, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get to go in one now that I'm in tier three up here. I think pubs are a, a distant dream for us. Um, but yeah, if you were in the in the pub with your mates talking about things, that's how I believe you should come across in your copy. Because when you're an author, you are giving something of yourself. You don't have to be corporate. You You need to have a fan base I mean but just before you hit record we talked about that word fan didn't we to have a fan well when you're an author you do have fans you have people who follow you and they will follow you because they lap up everything that you do so they'll want to hear from you and they'll want to know what you're really like so I think sometimes authors underestimate just how much their fans want to hear from them however that comes across so it's about having that confidence to just think I'm going to start this I'm going to put myself out there you'll find over time your voice will develop naturally anyway and I know that for a fact because writing is my career and it's something I do all the time but a little bit earlier this year I thought I'm going to get 25 of my best ever blogs and I'm going to package them together and um, and sell them as a little collection just a little bit of a money maker a little bit, a bit of a way of curating some of my best work and I very arrogantly thought, oh, my God, this is going to be so hard to narrow it down to 25. You know, when all of my blogs are amazing, how am I possibly going to narrow this down to 25? I'd written like 200 by this point. And it became a case of not not finding the 25 best, but throwing out the 175 shittest blogs because I read through some of them and I thought, how on earth have I got this on my website? How on earth have I put my name to this? And back in, in the, at the time when I'd originally written it, it was fine. It ticked all the boxes I wanted it to tick. It was fine. But my voice now, has it, it's become more elaborate. I've probably become a lot sharper, a lot more fierce, a lot more bold, a lot less caring about what people think because I'm more established in my career and I feel more confident. So therefore, I look back on these old pieces and think, oh, my God, they were so safe. They were so tame. They didn't really say anything of, of value, in my opinion. But at least I started there and I wouldn't be where I am now had I not 
put pen to paper in those early days. So it's about just getting started and seeing where it takes you and develop that voice and that confidence over time. But yeah, there's there's no time like the present. Get get doing it. And as I said, your fans want to hear from you. They want they want to know what you're about. And let's be honest, some people could say anything and people will still buy their stuff. So <laughs> you can't really get it wrong. You really can't. I definitely have go-to authors where I just buy whatever they, whatever they sell. I'll just have it because I know I'm going to like it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, we, we make this kind of like moral judgment of like, oh my God, they've said something dreadful on Twitter. I'm going to boycott what they do. And you think, well, no, I actually like their books or I like the films they're in and it's enjoyment. So Mm. yeah, I'm just going to go with it. So you can't believe me if anyone can get banned from twitter or wherever it, it should be me and I've, I've yet touch wood to be kicked off so just just give it a go <laughs> another aspect that writers find really hard to get their heads around is branding so how can writers ensure their branding is consistent with their like copy their marketing copy voice um well you were the you used consistency i think that needs to be applied across everything so um when people are doing their marketing and again a load of marketing people will probably shoot me for this but again it is just an opinion and others are available um people say oh I'm gonna do something to promote my work on LinkedIn um but I'd also want to promote it on Facebook so I need to adjust my language or you know change my tone and I think that's a ridiculous idea I think pick where your audience is and zone in on them. So anything that I write on LinkedIn, I will put the exact same thing on Facebook and the exact same thing on Twitter and see what sticks with it. I'm not going to change up my language because I think that dilutes my brand because I'm being inconsistent. I want people to look at my stuff wherever they see it or wherever they hear it. So this, you know, we we talk about the written word, you know, being put down somewhere, but it also goes for talks, you know, author talks, library visits, uh, book tours, things like that. The language you're using, you're still putting a lot of thought into it and you've no doubt written yourself some notes before you go out there. So it all comes down to copywriting, whether it's written or whether you are you are speaking and you are presenting. But I would keep it the same wherever you are. If you're trying to be all things to all people and address different crowds in different areas, you've just got no consistency whatsoever so it's about showing up and people knowing who you are and and exactly what to to expect really so yeah don't think about trying to please anyone else because it is totally impossible it's always difficult with with branding I know so I hope that answers the, the question Sasha it is just about consistency and being the same wherever you are don't be all things to all people it's not possible yeah I think that all things to all people is something that many of us do um early on in our careers like I know I kind of made that mistake with my first series because I tried to put too much in because I just wanted to do all of the things in my book and I'm like actually the best books are those that are hyper niche and focus on like delivering on one trope rather than you know trying to deliver on many so speaking of um, errors what mistakes do you (laughs) see people making in their in their copywriting oh uh definitely not knowing when to quit um (laughs) Less is always more. And it's why any decent copywriter will never charge you by the word. (laughs) Um, And that's, I I mentor a lot of younger and newer copywriters. And when we talk about pricing and stuff like that, they'll say about charging by the word. And I think, well, no, because you could waffle on in a 500 word blog 
and it'll take you five minutes. But if you've got to get a key message across and you've only got five words to do it in and you want to get it absolutely right, then it could take you days. It could take you forever. And those five words are going to be the most important thing in, in someone's brand, no doubt. So, um, so yeah, I always think less is more. And I think quit, well, quit while you're ahead. So I get a lot of um, clients who will say, oh, I want to... Um, I want to write sales copy for my latest project, book, um, tour that I'm going on, uh, product I'm selling, service that I'm flogging. Um, so I want about 2,000 words. And I'm like, you don't, because no one's going to read that. Essentially, if they've not made up their mind after the first paragraph that they definitely want it, they're not going to want it. I think you, you just need to really hit all the messages quickly and hit them hard so likewise when I edit people's sales pages for them I'll say right well you're not going to like this but I am going to take all of your pages of rambling and I'm going to turn it into one paragraph because we need to make people think I want to buy this I want to invest in this and I, I don't want any authors listening to this thinking about just purely about instant book sales because it's not about that when I say buy yes it might be about buying a physical product that you're selling and buying your book but it might be buying into you, buying into you and thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to sign up for your email list or I'm going to look out for when you're going to do a tour because I wouldn't mind listening to you. Or I'm going to listen out for when you're being asked to speak at a conference or an event because I'd, I'd really like to follow you. So it's, it's about buying into you as a person. But less is definitely more if you're going to ramble on with pages and pages and pages, including things like and another bonus of what you can get. And that's not everything. You know, and what's more, I can give you this and this you're losing people no one's got the time or patience to read that stuff so hit your messages hard and just remember less is more absolutely could not agree more okay so as i've said i have read some of your blogs which i find hilarious even when like you're talking about something serious so like i think but this is the thing i think there is a danger with humor if you're not naturally funny um and you try to be sometimes the humor can fall flat and obviously for people who are naturally funny it's very easy for them but for people who would like to use humor in their work do you have any advice um for them Again, I'd say about the not trying to be all things to all people. Um, and if I, if I can give you a couple of examples, um, I sent out a mail, uh, an email from my mailing list yesterday, okay? And for me, you, people are only going to read an email you send them if it's part of a group thing, if you can do something to hook them in. Okay, so if I'm sending an email just to one person, of course, they're going to open it because they'll know it's for them specifically. But if it's part of a mailing list, if they're like me, they'll think, oh, I might read that in a few days or I might get round to that. But we all end up on these subscriber lists, don't we? And we end up not opening these emails. I want people to open my emails. So I'm quite, <laughs> I'm going to say humorous. I don't know if that's how everyone sees it. I try to use a bit of humor. However... Um, I used the phrase yesterday, it's been a month since I bothered your box. <laughs> okay. So obviously I meant, you know, since I've sent you an email into your inbox, but I thought I'm just going to use it. It's a little bit kind of carry on humor for any of your, your UK fans who are familiar with that 
<laughs> terrible film franchise. Very, um, it's very all matron that kind of thing. Where I said, oh, it's been a month since I've bothered your box, and the open rate on it was absolutely brilliant. I got loads of people replying to it saying, oh my god, that opening line, you're hilarious, or oh that was risque, but I loved it. But then I did get someone who knew what I was like, knew what my humour was like, and yet wanted to tell me that they were really upset by it. And actually, they'd said that that kind of language was a trigger for women who have been abused. Now, there was part of me that was horrified because I thought, oh, my God, I would never want to offend anyone. like, And I would certainly never want to upset anyone who has been through something like that in their life that's bloody awful that's horrific so I felt ashamed of what I'd written but then I thought hang on you're one person out of all the people who've tagged me on social media or who have replied to this mailing list who said oh my god that was fucking hilarious I loved it it was just what I needed on a Monday afternoon I love how you're not afraid to just you know <laughs> try and be funny I love that for try and be funny so <clears throat> sorry bit of a COVID cough going on so it, it was starting then to annoy me that it was just one person. And then I got really annoyed because I thought, how dare you be offended on behalf of someone else? It's like if she would have come to me and said, I was really upset, I was triggered, it really got to me, it brought out something in me that I really didn't like. I think I'd have been more um, sympathetic about it, but it was the fact that she was like, oh, there might be someone out there who suffered abuse and you might trigger them with this word. I thought, please don't be offended on behalf of someone else. It's not very becoming, can't stand it. I really can't stand it at all. Um, but that just goes to show that I thought it was funny. The majority of the people who read it thought it was funny, but someone else who had followed me for a while didn't find it funny. So the thing with humour, it's not, as we've already said, it's not going to be all things to all people. It's not always going to come across in the way you intended. And if someone wants to be offended, they will find it no matter what you write anyway. And sadly, humour is a massive target for that because people mm. see it as an opinion. They see it as you making fun of something. And so it is... But different humour appeals to different people, doesn't it? So if you say to people, who's your favourite comedian? Someone might say someone and you think, my God, they are not funny at all. Yeah. I don't get it. It's so subjective. So rather than overthink it, I always think if it makes you laugh, go with it. Because yeah. at the very least, you've given yourself a giggle and you've had some fun with your writing and it should be fun. And at the most, you'll have someone out there who goes, oh my God, that is exactly my kind of humour. I love it. That really, really speaks to me. And if it alienates people in the process, that's fine. Because yes, we're all about drawing in a fan base and people who love us, but there's no harm in repelling the people who just don't want to know because we don't want to waste our time with those people anyway. They can go to someone else and we can just concentrate on those who genuinely want to believe in us and buy from us, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. My my wife likes Jimmy Carr and I think he's an absolute cock. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just don't get him. I don't find him funny. I think his laugh is annoying. But then, you know, like somebody really silly, like back in the day, Lee Evans used to make me like, oh. <gasps> you know, 
know, I just, I could not Cry breathe. Laughing. I had tears streaming down my face because he was just so silly. Like silly, yeah. I love silly humor. I love a dad joke because I don't understand other jokes. This is the reason why I actually like dad jokes is because I actually don't get normal jokes. But they're quite jokes, simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, and they're silly and funny, which is what the sillier they are, the funnier it is. Um, but I completely agree. Like, uh, and I, I can't agree more with the, with the repelling thing. Like, I am super sweary even in my books and um, I'm super sarcastic and I try and well, I don't I don't try I just jokes come out when I write so you know um, I have had people say things like this would have been a really good book if it weren't for the swearing oh god <laughs> you know and I'm like oh well you know obviously I am you I am not there um what's the word like yeah the, the cup of tea with exactly. it the, the cup of tea but I, I love that kind of marketing because I think certainly for people when they're early on in their the career or their writing, that kind of thing will kill you. And, you know, you'll, you'll be there going, oh, my God, they've left this review. And it said, you know, it would have been great except for. And then they use patronizing language like the author really let themselves down <laughs> with the, the choice of language. And, and it's so fucking patronizing. It really is. And I can't stand it. <laughs> But I use it to my advantage now. I take screen grabs of stuff like that and I put it on as a post on social media oh and I'll God, go, that's oh, amazing. You know, but discuss, discuss. And it's um, it's just great. It's kind of that um, perpetual cycle of social media content. The more yeah. someone has a go at me, I will use their point and I, I will make them famous. You I really got- will because I'll share it. You've got to have a vagina of iron, though, to do that, because, like, it takes such strength to, to, like, expose, I I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I I would absolutely love to do that, because I tell you, I have had some absolutely killer reviews, I remember one particular one, Um, the weird thing was, it was three stars, uh, and it should have been one from the style and content of the review, but also they'd read the book more than once, which is what really made me laugh, but um, they used a gif, they used a gif, to describe what? how annoying my voice was. I was like, wow. And it was Janice. Like, you know, from Friends, the woman that's oh. like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, they can just imagine that I am that annoying. And I was like, wow, you really hated like my book. Um, and then I was just like, oh, well, what else can I say? That's like, you know, how else can I uh, be more me? Because then I'll just repel the people that don't like uh, my voice. But yeah, people are vicious. People are vicious, but these people who who go out of their way to, to read your book twice <laughs> before <laughs> deciding that they're ultimately disgusted by it or, you know, morally offended or just, you know, really disappointed, whatever they want to choose, they're still doing marketing for us. Now, I'm not one of those people who's going to say all publicity is good publicity. I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people. However when you are a creative and when you are an author or when you're a writer, if people go out of their way to say things, no matter how different, you know, just kind of defamatory they are or, or whatever, use it, use it. Yes. You do have to have a certain degree of bollocks to just go, well, I'm going to name and shame you with this, or I'm going to screenshot what you've done, blank out the name, if that makes you feel a bit better. Um, but they, they started it. And I, I know that sounds a bit childish, but you started it. So I'm going to carry it on. But it is true. If they've seen fit to put their opinion out there, they have to respect 
some kind of they have to expect some kind of comeback to it and I just think well it is it's good marketing because I want people to talk about it the worst thing you can be as an author and you, you know this is when people don't say anything yeah yeah, yeah put yeah. your book down and go <clears throat> right I've definitely you know, we, we want the people who've got you know they've had a response to it because that is amazing and that will drive intrigue because then other people will pick up your stuff and go I want to see what all the fuss is about yeah I bought stuff based on that I want to know what it's all about I've had people on um I know I keep talking about LinkedIn but that's where I do my marketing so Facebook dies on its ass for me there's no one there for me Twitter I'm not cool enough to really be there so I, I don't I don't really understand why I still have an account well LinkedIn works for me but and I think I, I said this didn't I when I did the talk for, for Janet I've had people who have hated or and I don't mean they've had a, a different viewpoint to mine I mean, they've really gone at me, you know, and said, you know, I, I, my behavior is is dreadful and my tone is disrespectful. And they've said that. And then I've got an inbox later on from someone else who's connected to them, but not to me. But they've seen the review of my work and they've gone, well, I was drawn to you because I saw this person I know has, has commented. I've had a look at your stuff and I really like it. And actually, I'd like to book you to be my copywriter. <laughs> So I love the fact that so many of my haters have inadvertently paid for a lot of my holidays in the sunshine. Oh my God. Karma is amazing. Isn't it? It it works. It really works. It's great publicity because yeah, if people are talking about your book, you've written a fucking good book. That's all I can say. It doesn't matter what they say about it. The fact that they felt compelled to say something means you've written a great book. Be proud of it. Absolutely. All right. This is always my favorite question. This is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell listeners about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. <laughs> um, okay. I think, as I mentioned before, my I didn't you know spring from the womb all ranty and sarcastic and dark and, and fearless with what I say I was so, even up until a few years ago I was so timid and quiet and didn't say anything that would possibly upset anyone and then over the years you know my um my cynical nature has just come to the the front of of what I'm doing and um and it's, it's really all coming out in this kind of like bilious text that I start putting out in my marketing and in my blogs and in the stuff I write for myself and and you've mentioned sarcasm a few times I love sarcasm I think it's wonderful it will always draw me in I'll always want to listen to it and I'll always want to be that way in what I'm doing um even if it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine as we've said but I wrote a blog um it was just over a year ago and I remember I wrote it the night before I went on holiday and plan was I'm going to write it and, and upload it on LinkedIn and on my website and then I'm not going to look at my phone for a week um and I came back and it, it had so much engagement so the arrogant part of me thought brilliant you know I've got all this engagement wow that's wonderful um but it was short-lived because I was getting a lot of hatred um on this blog and it's because I'd written it sarcastically. And, oh, my God, it was an eye-opener to me at how many people don't get sarcasm. <laughs> so I'd written this piece about freelancers. I am a freelancer. It says that very clearly on all of the stuff I do on my website, on my profiles. 
I make it clear I am a freelancer. I'm just me. I'm out there. I'm on my own doing my own thing. Um, so obviously I've got massive respect for freelancers, but I wrote a piece saying, um, here's why you can forget all about your freelancer. And I'd said, um, free really does mean free. So don't be afraid to haggle down the price once they, they put a cost to you. Um, free also relates to the time. So if you've got a project doing, you can expect them to, to jump to it. Um, they can, um, you know, they've got all the time in the world. So if you've got something that needs sorting at 10 p.m. at night, don't worry if you're interrupting their family time, get straight onto them. Their time is free. It's for you. Do it. Pick up that phone. Uh, I'd written other things like, um, oh, you can pay them last. Don't worry. It's much more important that you pay um, your, your big, well-established clients freelancers do this for a bit of a laugh anyway let's face it it's probably a sideline they don't rely on the money don't worry about it and I've done this big list of why basically freelancers are disposable exactly yeah and there were a few people who commented saying oh my god I got to like point number four before I actually thought shit Joe you're committing career suicide but then I realized oh my god you are obviously taking the piss because as it got further down the road it was it was more and more ludicrous it really was all the stuff I was saying about freelancers absolutely ludicrous and a lot of people got it this point again about humor <laughs> not everyone will find it funny not everyone can find it funny but I had so much hatred on this blog and sadly the people who were giving me the most grief were freelance copywriters no and, yeah I was absolutely horrified because I kind of expected that Gene from, you know, down the road was, you know, outraged by it or whatever, you know, or, you know, the usual suspects, you know, the people who are always fucking horrified at whatever you write because it doesn't fit within their moral code or, you know, this isn't Facebook or whatever. And they're always going to be outraged, whatever you do and however you do it. But it wasn't from those people. And it was it was from freelancers and it was from copywriters and people saying I was a disgrace to the, the freelancing world. I was a disgrace to writers everywhere who were trying so hard to show people how important writing was and, and how to, all of this. I was, yeah, I was getting these words, disgusted, disgraceful, all this horrible stuff. I should be ashamed of myself. A couple of people who said they'd followed me for a long time and would no longer be supporting any of the work that I'd done. I had one client who didn't get it, who saw the post and said, um, I'm, you know, I won't be working with you again in future. I thought as freelancers, we supported each other, all of this. I couldn't fucking believe it, Sasha. I really couldn't believe it because it wasn't even slightly sarcastic. It was immensely so, immensely. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to send you the link just so you can read it yourself. And it, it just, but whilst that infuriated me, I'm sorry my voice is going by the way I, th I do think I've got COVID coming on I really do uh, it's my time um yeah as, as horrified as I was by all of it I thought fuck you this is how I'm going to do all my writing from now on and so from that point I have been even more sarcastic than ever and the more people it pisses off the better because the more traffic it drives my way and yeah. the more stuff I sell as a result of it so uh, so yeah that is that is my inner rebel that was my turning point where I thought this is what I'm going to do now. 
that's exactly how I reacted to the dickwad who put the Janice gif on my review as well. I was like, um, you know what? Fuck you. I'm just going to be, I, I'm going to 10x this now. Like, yes. like, if you don't like it, awesome. I'm going to 10x it. Yeah. Um, Capitalize, definitely. Exactly. All right. Where can listeners find out more about you, your services, any books, social media, whatever, all, all the works? Uh, well, I've just had my website redone, so I'd love it if people went there because I'm really, really proud of it. It used to say anything and everything on it. It was like, oh, this is why a copywriter is fantastic for your business. This is why you need a copywriter. This is the benefits of a copywriter, blah, blah, blah. And what's more than that? And all of that stuff that I'd said before that doesn't work. Now I've got this website that where I practice what I preach. It's so streamlined. It basically says, this is what I do. This is how much it's going to cost you. If you want to talk, brilliant. And that's it. So you can find that at www.agoodwriterup.com. And you'll see me on there. If you are expecting to be told what a copywriter is, you won't find it on there. Because usually when people go to my website, it's because they know they want a copywriter. Then now, now they're just at the stage of thinking, which one do I want? So that's how I market myself on my website. So that's all there. Um, I am on LinkedIn. You can find me. I should have written this down. Um, so it's Joe Watson. I've then got uh, pretentiously twatish letters after my name. There's eight of them. I can never genuinely remember what they are. Um, there's a, a few M's, a few C's and a few I's in there. So if you see a Joe Watson and then there's brackets and then there's about eight letters, that's me. And that's because I'm a chartered manager. Um, and I'm really fucking proud of how hard I work for that. And those letters are sticking with me to the day I die. And my husband actually said to me, um, he said, do you just pay your membership every year so you can keep those letters? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> pretty, Amazing. pretty much. I do, I do a little bit of management in my work. I do go and work with, with some clients and do some management with them, but it's not it's not my main selling point. But yeah, for as long as I can have those letters, I'm keeping them. So you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Don't bother with Facebook or Twitter. I'm really shit on there. My, my humor does not go down well and people don't like the swearing. <laughs> I will make sure both of those are in uh, the show notes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Sasha. I've loved this. I'm just so sorry like, if I've been coughing or getting a husky. I, I hope it comes across as sexy, but I doubt it does. It probably just sounds like I'm I'm dying. It's totally which, sexy. Which Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody listening. And of course, a big thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Joe Watson. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Jordan Rosenfeld. It is a corker of an episode. We are looking at what a scene is, how to make a scene, mistakes you make with scenes. And we also dive a little bit into point of view. And you even get to hear a few uh, cheeky secrets about The Scent of Death, the book uh, that I'm working on in the background, even though I shouldn't be because I should be working all the other books I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, join us next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.